Hello, and welcome back to Brace. On today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the book Iron Cowboy, Redefine Impossible, the story of 50 Ironman triathlons in 50 states in 50 days by James Lawrence. Tommy, uh, we have a special guest today. Could you go ahead and introduce him to our audience? So on today's episode, we've brought on Adam Milliron. Adam is a good friend from college. Uh, we started out in the same dorm room together freshman year on the engineering floor. Uh, he was in biomedical engineering and I was in chemical engineering, but we had similar classes. And back in the episode with, uh, with Josh Cummins, we actually mentioned uh, Adam. And so we've been friends for a few years. Adam's always been athletic and smart. And again, during classes, studying together, uh, working out together, uh, doing a little bit of partying together too, you know, working hard and also playing hard. But Adam recommended this book for us, knew that we had done some 75 hards in our past, that we enjoyed competing physically, especially since Paul and I were both on the Ultimate Frisbee team, which may not be as physical as some other sports, but you know, we continued it on through throughout college. So what Adam, do you mean? Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know any sport that's more challenging than Ultimate Frisbee. Come on. <laughs> uh, Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. I appreciate it. You know, long time listener, first time speaker, that whole, you know, <laughs> radio thing. Uh, but no, it's actually, thanks guys for having me on. You know, it's really cool to see how far you guys have come. You know, I've been listening since, I don't know, podcast one. I remember Tommy, you reached out, hey, you want to listen to our podcast we're making? I went, heck yeah, why not? And, you know, really seeing things and actually listen to that. I didn't listen to uh, Saturdays, so I didn't listen to Fridays, but two Fridays ago, I mean, that podcast, guys did great. I mean, it's just interesting to see how far you guys have come. It's truly great. So honestly, I'm honored to be here too. So, so oh, we appreciate that. Uh, of course, Adam uh, recommended a, an incredible book that I think Paul and I both thoroughly enjoyed, but also he's been a longtime listener and uh, we've been chatting with him. He's been giving us feedback on how we can improve and uh, what he enjoys about the podcast and what he doesn't. And one of those things is going off on tangents. Um, <laughs> so he, you know, I know that I enjoy it as well, and, uh, I'm sure that we'll go on a few different tangents, uh, throughout the podcast. But, uh, my, my question to you, Adam is, you know, how did you hear about the Iron Cowboy and the book? I remember hearing about the Iron Cowboy, I think in high school when he was originally doing it. So one of my best friends and, uh, and, you know, all through elementary school and grade school, his dad is really big into, you know, biking, running. I mean, his family's entire fit in general. And I remember hearing about it then that there was this guy just doing it. And I had no idea what an Ironman was in high school. I, would, I was just focused on sports, like football, soccer, you know, everybody else. But I remember hearing about this a little bit more, a little bit more. And like, I actually finally like, you know, looked into it and I was like, oh, yeah, like this is what this guy's doing. And after that, I never really thought about it. And I think I'm jumping ahead here, but I remember hearing about when in 2021, this, what he did now is amazing. But I remember hearing about he, this guy doing a hundred consecutive Ironmans. And that's when I truly was like, wow, what the heck? Is it the same guy that did the 50, 50, 50? And we'll go into that more. But I remember that's when I truly was like, oh my God, that is amazing. Let me this and it turns out the same guy and I was like oh I need to read this book now and so that's when I truly which we'll get into the hundred later but it was I remember hearing about in high school and then in college hearing about you know his next steps and that's when I was like oh I need to go read this book when when you first I think you recommended this to us quite a couple of months ago it wasn't a, a recent recommendation but uh, we had our our books already figured out for a while so we, we put it on the docket and we, we finally have gotten to it but I was so excited to read this book uh, mostly because I have personal family experience with Ironmans uh, my brother uh, did his first Ironman in 2011 when I was I think a freshman or sophomore in high school and I drove down from Northeast Ohio to Louisville Kentucky to watch him do that and so when I found out about this I had seen my brother complete this activity and it took him 17 hours and he was dead afterwards and he took the biggest ice bath and he ate basically an entire pizza and was so physically gone and I think he was barely able to walk for the next three days and so thinking just of him doing one more 
just getting up in the morning and doing one more. I was like, that, that wouldn't have been possible. He trained so well. He did an amazing job. He had the same goal that uh, James Lawrence talks about in the book of getting to Kona. And it would have been absolutely unbelievable for me for him to get up and do another. And I was just thinking, how did on day 21, this guy did this on day 36, he did this on day. And like every single time he got up and did another one in a different state traveling that the ergonomics of that didn't seem like a, a possibility to me. And it basically wasn't right. When you read the book, that's what you find out. Uh, but I was absolutely intrigued at the concept of the book and the concept of the challenge and was super excited to find out more about it. I think we also ought to just bring up what an Ironman is, right? So people have point. heard of triathlons where it's your swimming, your biking, and your running. Uh, an Ironman length triathlon is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then 26.2 mile run, a full marathon after doing a 2.4 mile swim and 112 mile bike. And so you know, many people strive to do a half marathon. Many people strive to do a marathon, but this is leagues above that just due to the amount of physical endurance it takes uh, just to complete one, right? And so James Lawrence set out with this intent to do 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 consecutive days. And that's what this book is all about. Physical strength, I agree, but there also is that mental capacity to everything i mean you did just say physical which i agree but i almost want to say it's almost split down the middle you have arguments for either side but so that's why i would say it's almost 50 mental 50 physical there was an interesting part of the book that i didn't anticipate being curious about which was his wife's interest in like holistic medicine or whatever you would call that where he would have an injury a physical problem with a hamstring or a quad or whatever it was and then she would look up in her book like, oh, well, this means that you're anxious about this or you're it, it ended up being a psychosomatic thing with with whatever was going on with him mentally. And so if he addressed that well, then when they worked out the problem in his leg, it would stay done. It would stay away. And I was just like that. I would never think of that as the real like route or the real way to get through an injury. I mean, it, it lines up perfectly with what you're saying. That is a, a very much mental exercise, maybe even more than physical. Surely. So before we start talking about the book, I just wanted to at least say that the book is set up where it starts right in the middle of the 50 on day 17. And he's dealing with this insane blister that messed up his toe and, He's thinking about quitting just on day 17 where he cannot run and he's just walking one step after another to to just get through the final uh, leg of the triathlon, the marathon. And so that's where it starts. And then each chapter consecutively takes us back in time to kind of his life, his growing up, his kind of love of endurance sports, and then moves us forward again on that next chapter okay, day 19, day 20, day, and it'll do little different chunks of uh, days of the 50 together. But I wanted to at least explain that because the book kind of jumps back and forth. You get to be thrown into the 50 immediately, but also get to see how he became the, the man he became. What do you guys think about the chapter layouts there? I found it to be a little bit jarring at different times. I will say that opening it up in day 17 and 18 and and seeing the challenge that he was facing so early on in the first 40 percent of the 50 it, it engaged me it's it made me go there's no way this guy can get through it i agree but it, you know he wrote the book so clearly he did type thing so it was just like okay how is this going to happen and it also reminded me of the book that we read always forward by vinciano where it was super engaging in that first chapter, I was just bought into saying, I want to find out more about this story. This is this is fascinating. And yeah, I, I do think that once we got to the point where the past was also in the 50s, so we, we found out about his basically childhood and early adulthood moving from Canada to the United States. We found out I know you sent me on, on Instagram, Adam, the, the Ferris wheel picture, I think. And then I, I was like, what the heck is this? Where he won $10,000 in an in a endurance event of staying on a Ferris wheel for 10 straight days. I enjoyed the jumping back and forth until it got into the, the past is day one 
because then I'm like, okay, I just want to read these days in order now. I don't want to <laughs> be continuing to jump back and forth between day five and day 35. But I, I will say it was a fun way to keep me engaged and say, okay, I can learn a little bit more about this backstory and I'm not anxious about finding out what's going on during the 50 because I'm still getting those pieces. Yeah, to me, it seems like it was purposely meant to to pull you in, right? Get you engaged, get you get you right into what the challenge was and and the hardships right off of day 17, what he had already been through. And uh, you get to see more of what those errors and how they had to be agile and had to change up the plans that they had set up. And so I I didn't have too much of a struggle with, with going back. There were definitely times where it's like, okay, I want to see what happens next. But then you're, you go back in time and you're, you're reading uh, previous times in his life, but I enjoyed it to the most part. One thing I, I know I'm going to jump around. This is a little bit of a tangent, but one thing that stuck out to me was how desperate the financial situation was his family while he's doing these challenges. I mean, it almost made me think like, okay, if someone had something to fall back on, would they have been able to do this? Because he was basically all in on, all right, if I do this, then I'll be able to be on a speaking tour. I'll be able to get sponsors. I'll be able to be an inspirational writer and speaker. And if I don't, then I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. And he has five children at the time of doing this, which also is an insane thing. Five children, like under the age of 13. It's like, what are you doing, doing 50 <laughs> Ironmans? But I, I was reflecting on that where it's like, okay, there are just certain aspects of life where if you have the means to say, I don't have to do this, it gives you that option to quit. And he didn't have that option to quit. And so I think that fueled him in a way that a lot of people couldn't be fueled. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the parts that really stick out to me was when, like you said, he was so poor that like he couldn't even ship his bike. Went and they like literally like was like eighty dollars short. And he's like, "Can you please like this is the only bike I have to do this?" Like, and he just is like, "Well, I'm gonna miss my flight. Here's everything I had." And then miraculously, you know, thankfully that lady, you know, let it slide. And, Put it on with like shout yeah, out to the French, yeah, just yeah. putting all of his American dollars on the table along with <laughs> he's like a hundred euros short. Here's like, well, here's eighty five American dollars, which doesn't cover it, but please, please, and then just runs to the flight. It's like, wow, yeah, absolutely incredible. Right. You're right. He had nothing. Like it was it. Like there was nothing there he could do, and miraculously it showed up, and you know, luckily it worked out. But you're right. It's it's insane to think about. Even at the end, after finishing the fifty, because. At that time, when he was trying to do the first world record uh, of most Ironman Ironman triathlons done in a year, that's when that, he was. That was you the know, second. Oh, maybe that was the second one. The first yeah. one was uh, his half, half triathlons or half yeah. Ironman yeah, yeah. length triathlons. But even at the end of the fifty, he goes back to I think his his friend or his sister's friend, and they're they're camping in the backyard. He still like doesn't have a place to stay. And and he's doing this right, and he's somehow managing to to kind of push through right. And so even you see that this is kind of all or nothing. He's as poor as poor can get, right? Um, having I, I believe they went through bankruptcy and you know lost the house, lost the car, lost all this and that, and and having five kids, right? I mean, it, it's a lot of pressure too. It, it almost yeah. speaks to you have to be a little bit insane. To be wanting to do this, right? Like, because if that's me, I'm not saying what can I do to push myself to the limit of the human experience. I'm like, what do I need to do in order to provide for my family? And instead, he's like, well, maybe if I push myself to the limit of human experience, that will provide for my family. We'll see, I guess. Like, that is just so backwards in my brain, but I love it. And the fact that we're sitting here talking about it today proves that it was a worthwhile endeavor. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing. Um, I'm curious, though, Adam, I mean, you, you had read this book before and then you, you got a reread in uh, before coming on this podcast. What was the most impactful part of the book to you? Oh, God, that's a great question. I would say he is the type of person that just says, I can take one more step. And he's like, and if I can't take one more step, oh there was this exact moment in the book when his daughter's like, well, can you walk? 
and he's like no i can't and then she his daughter lucy says well can you crawl so then he's like all right like i guess you're right like i can take no that that you you, (laughs) no it's so much better than that he goes no i can't crawl it's too far distance and she goes well can you cartwheel (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right right, right. i missed that yeah thank you thank you so yeah percent like so one that's not only a comic relief but two is also like this guy is in that much pain like he literally has exerted everything it's like well are you sure you can't like his daughter's like i was just like well just are you sure dad come on like and that to me is probably the that drive to just take well can you do this can you do that he, i mean you see him struggle through that entire thing the entire time is why well, can't take one more step like i can do one more cycle on my bike that's going to give me the you know and to me, that is the most impactful thing that, you know, I, I like to resonate with is I can take one more step too. everybody can you just you just do it. I don't remember which state it was, but there was one state where he was in his legs were so messed up during the, the marathon piece that he was asking himself, can you take one more step? And he kept every single time. The answer was, no, I can't. And he said, do it every anyways. And then he would take a step and then he would have that full battle, that full conversation internally between each step. And he did that for hours and hours and completed a marathon. And that for me was an incredible, like just thought process of not believing in yourself. Every single step he goes, I can't do this. And he does it anyways. That was, that was very impactful for me. Yeah, I I thought seeing the mental battle that he had or battles literally like every day, not wanting to jump in the water to start the day off, just like like falling into the water, just going through that mental battle of, okay, I'm starting this. Right. And like once he starts, it's like I can't finish until I finish. And it's one seeing those mental battles and the kind of tricks and stories he tells himself. Right. And, you know, imagines being away and. I remember on day 30 in Connecticut where he kind of just gets off his bike and is just in a fetal position and is just like, I can't do this. And he's just imagining what his life would look like if he quit and imagining what his life would look like if he stayed and continued. And just like how his daughter kind of pushed him in that, in that circumstance where he didn't think he could go on, he thought to his family, and thought about, I can't quit, right? Like, what am I telling them by by giving up? It's that same mental battle. Uh, he tells himself, I am the Iron Cowboy. I don't feel pain. I'm I'm robotic. I, I, you know, this and that. And he just has to tell himself that as he gets back onto the bike, right? He doesn't know if he can cycle anymore, but he knows that he can at least get on the bike. And then it's that question of one more push, one more cycle, one more. And it's just... I think sometimes we look at these people that do near impossible things and we think, oh, they they must have it all together. But it's not that they have it all together. It's just that they're willing to push despite having it not all together. And I felt that that message really resonated throughout the entire book. Right. It's funny you bring up day 30 out to me because 31 or 30 was his maximum amount within a year. Right. Like he like said that. So when he hit that point like his body was like all right like this is the farthest we've ever done one i think that had a role in it but then two i love the chapter of that book it, i think it was either i am the iron cowboy or the iron cowboy is born like the chapter title of that really was like holy cow like he is this is it like he is now like cause to me that was when he was like you know what i'm doing this you like you just said he said i am the iron cowboy and to me that was like from that point on, he took every negative aspect that like came at him, flipped it, and was like, you know what? Could have been worse. Let's just keep going. Definitely insane. Um, I, I know that the day 30 part and just everything he was going through, and it you know felt like years, but it was only like minutes, seconds. I know that that was very impactful to me. Paul, what, what was an impactful part for you or a message that you received throughout? A message that I received. I don't know about any (laughs) messages. I'd have to think about that. There were a lot of things that just hit me hard throughout the book of of how impressive that is and how mentally stronger this guy is than me. I'll just say that. Not to jump ahead in what we would talk about, but Tommy, as as you mentioned earlier, you and I have both done the 75 hard, and that's 75 straight days of accomplishing some things physical, 
a lot of things mental and a lot of things just habitual of not drinking any alcohol, you know, sticking to your diet, uh, drinking your water, things like that. And I found that to be a difficult exercise doing that for 75 straight days consecutively. And I just thought about how much of a wimp I, I was for, for finding that to be a difficult thing, right? Where it's like, oh, no, you know, oh, it's Thanksgiving and I have to do my second workout. It's like, no, come on. This guy was doing a Ironman on the 4th of July and he was getting mad because there was a parade going on. It was stopping him from like going on his bike at the time. And there were just so many things like that where everyone else was living life. And this guy was doing the same thing he had done for all these previous days, which most people view as impossible to do one time. And that it's the point of the book, right? It's like, okay, this is impossible and I'm going to redefine impossible. I thought that taking that approach that what is conventionally thought of as an impossible task and believing in yourself enough to do it is a trait that I don't have. And it's so amazing to read stories about people that have that trait uh, and it's inspiring. So that that's really the biggest thing I got out of this book was, okay, is there something that I view as impossible that I could do in my life? And maybe not even impossible for humans to do, but I just view impossible for me to do that I could do. Uh, and that I think is, is what resonated with me the most. I think we've talked about it before, but that wall of undeniable proof, right? The idea that you don't believe you can do something until you do it, right? And so being on that boundary between what you know and what you don't know and trying to, I guess, kind of widen that barrier to to that knowledge of self-belief, that knowledge that I can do something despite the difficulty or despite the the roughness, uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, you talk about being inspired by what he did and the characteristics he had. I really enjoyed seeing all the stories that he put in here about the other people along the journey, yeah. uh, just overweight people who had lost a ton of weight, people who had been through difficult circumstances like getting hit by a car and still coming out and trying to one support him, but also to, I think, prove to themselves that they could also do it. Yeah, the the two people, the two individuals whose stories stuck out to me the most was, as you mentioned, the Asian man who got hit by a car and had only uh, he'd recovered and then had run at most six miles. And then when he found out that the Iron Cowboy was going through his town, he went out to run with him and ended up James had already run six of his miles, but he ran the last 20 with him. And then at the end of that, he collapsed uh, and couldn't get back up. He needed help to get back up. And then the next day he signed up for an Ironman. And that to me was uh, an amazing story. And the other one was uh, in California, a guy who James says looked like he was at least 300 pounds, joined them for the bike. And, you know, he led the way to begin and made a joke about, uh, you know, creating a wake for everybody to to, uh, ride in. Uh, And then not long after that was at the back of the, the group trying to keep up. And then a half hour later was gone. But because he had that experience with James, throughout the rest of the 50 and California was day number five. So for 45 days, he did between a 10 and a 12 mile bike and said he was just doing his 10% of the bike. And that was such a cool idea. And the guy lost like 45 pounds in that time. And so the, the fact that James had this idea and recruited all these people to be a part of it, he had a sponsor from every state except for California, I think, and having the ability to, have all of these people involved and have those people get other people involved and to inspire so many people to do something that was outside their comfort zone and do something that they might not have believed that they could do was one of the maybe unintended consequences of uh, the journey that I think was probably one of the most fulfilling for James. I completely agree with that. I loved, I loved hearing about all the stories that like people were going through and like, Honestly, I think, like you just said, he enjoyed hearing it, one, because it distracted him. I mean, he was always trying to have people, hey, can you come tell me a story? I'm going to fall asleep on my bike. And he did fall asleep on his bike. Like, a lot of times. Could you imagine imagine falling asleep while you're, you know, exerting that much? Like, I can't because I don't think I've ever been to that point. But, I mean, he was falling asleep on his bike. I mean, he actually did wrecked, like, on day, like, 17 or something. Like, real early on, he wrecked on his bike falling asleep. I mean, granted, he started, you know, 
I mean, you guys know the route he did. He started Hawaii, then Air, and then Alaska, and then he came back down through. And you know, those are the two hardest days. And he like fell asleep on his bike. So then after that point on, he's like, whoever's biking with him, come tell him a story. So that not only did he enjoy hearing it, but also you know, help keep him awake because like he's like, I can now ask questions and like learn more about these people. So I completely agree. I I really enjoyed hearing those too. So you talked a little bit, Paul, about like all the people he gathered, you know, having an ambassador in every state and then also his crew that that went around with him. One, people to to drive the RV and get him to where he needed to go, people to cheer him up, uh, his wingmen. And then also his five children and his wife came with him for the entire trip. And this, you know, was an entire summer. Not only was it this physical mental challenge, it was also an attempt to raise money. Right. And so there was a business aspect of it. And are they posting enough? Are we getting enough pictures? Are we speaking with sponsors? Are we, you know, making sure that everything on that side uh, was taken care of? And and his wife, Sonny, had to do a ton of that managing as well as, you know, controlling the family, controlling the kids, uh, making sure that James himself was was okay. So I think seeing that he did all of these physical things on his own. But he had to have that support to keep him going, to make sure that he ate, to make sure that he got right up to the pool so he could fall in every morning. I don't know that this would have been doable on his own. You can't do it on your own, right? And so having a team, I think, is is another message that I think resonated. Well, one of the parts of that that I found the most intriguing was the marital strife that happened throughout at one point i think it was fairly early on like day 10 or 11 his wife after he didn't complete the marathon until like 2 or 3 a.m his wife was trying to check up on him and he didn't respond and the next day he was like are you still mad at me and she's like yes uh but she said you're nice to everyone except for me all of the people that gather all the supporters the rest of the team the sponsors, everyone you're nice to except for me. And I, and I thought that the difficulty of trying to do this with your partner, and by do this with, I mean, be reliant on your partner while you're going through this, there's almost no way that you can get through it without that kind of difficulty or strife that you, you would go through because you're asking so much of them and there's just no way to communicate the appreciation. and she was then, you know, putting some essential oils on his feet right after this argument. And he said, like, I'm not I, I don't deserve you like you're you're so good for me in his head. And I and at the end of the book, uh, he explains that a, a year after he completed the 50 50 50, his wife did a blog where she put out her memories and experiences day by day, one per day for 50 days of what she was going through. And he truly had no idea the mental struggle and the the fatigue that she had and the, the difficulty emotionally that she was having throughout that time. Uh, and I think it just goes to show, I mean, I'm sure that he's normally very in tune with his wife. Um, they have a successful marriage, et cetera. But when you are exerting so much, I mean, a bit of an aside here, but also he just wouldn't recognize people that he met earlier in the day, right? His brain was so disconnected from reality because it was so focused and tunnel visioned on completing what he needed to complete that day that he was, he became kind of a disrespectful person. He became kind of like a, I don't really care what all y'all think. I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to be doing today. And I'm trying to get to the next state so that I can do it again tomorrow. And so being able to do that while being emotionally intelligent is probably impossible. And that whole thing of just the family dynamic, I found to be something that I, I kind of viewed as impressive that his wife was able to put up with, because I think it would have been really easy for her to find a reason to flick him off and move on for, for one moment or another. Yeah. I think uh, despite all the, the angst and, and disagreements, arguments, they also drew strength from one another. And just like the people inspired to run with him or to bike with him or to swim with him, his family also gave him strength just as he gave his family strength. That positive energy, that want to improve, that want to get better, it was contagious. 
he wouldn't have been able to just do it on his own, but he also gave that strength to his family that reverberated it back and forth. Uh, I, I was impressed with his, I think it was his oldest daughter did. I don't remember if uh, she did all of the five K's it's worth mentioning. We didn't explain this, but he set it up so that uh, all his supporters could do a five K race to kind of start out part of his run and his, his oldest daughter who I don't remember if they tell us how old she is, but did at least the first 27 of them in a row. And that was really cool. And then also he did this 50, 50, 50 through father's day. And on father's day, his two oldest daughters said they were going to do the whole run with him on their bikes. They didn't quite get to do that because they had to, it was past midnight. So they had to go in the camper and go get going to the next state, but they were willing to do that. And they did most of it with him. And that was one of the parts that made it so cool to me is just the the strength that he was clearly getting from his family throughout the event. And he mentions a couple of times how kind of bad he feels that they aren't getting quality dad time. Uh, and he kind of reflects that he hopes that it's worth it because he's setting the example of the sky is the limit. And at one point that becomes clear that the kids have internalized that. And that was a really cool moment for me as well in the book. Yeah, I think I think you guys said it exactly right. Um, it's up to me it was just like I don't have kids or anything, but like it was very heart wrenching to see like some days like when he was having a bad day, his kids could have a good a great day. So that energy, but then when they both had bad days and that happened like multiple times, that like he not only you know wrecked on his bike or had an internal struggle, he would then have to go home and the kids would not only be upset. So then you know. Both sides are upset, and he's got to wake up and do it again tomorrow. Like, to me, that was, you can really just empathize. Like, yeah, my heart was hurting. I was like, dang, <laughs> how is he doing this the next day? Like, I'm, I'm struggling reading this, and he's living it. So, no, I think yeah. you guys said it right. And then, you know, obviously, you build off each other's ties, too. I mean, I, I remember at one point in the book, his son's toy broke right before he's about to go start running, and he's like – like what do you like what do you do so he turned off mr iron cowboy and was like i'm james lawrence now let me go over and be a dad and sat for two minutes and that two minutes you know made his son's day and but think about it he had one goal in his mind and he switched it and was like i gotta go be a dad real quick you know played with his son for two minutes and that two minutes you know gave him then the energy to go out and do it and just the whole experience that the balancing of both of those is also again he redefined impossible. Just did it. That reminds me, uh, this is a, again, a little bit of a tangent, but in talking about his training and preparation for it, I mean, how could you possibly train for this event? Right. And especially when you have five children, how can you possibly arrange your life to make that work? And part of that was he would do training while his young son, Quinn, I think who was five years old, would just kind of play in the same room with him. He would be on the recumbent bike and his son would be there playing. And every once in a while, his son would say, Dad, can you can you fix this or, or let's play with this? And he always said I would stop what I was doing and give him that 10 or 15 minutes. And that's all his son really required. But at times it was really hard for him to get off the bike or to stop what he was doing to do that. But he always made that decision and it was the right decision. And that also reminded me, I, I know that marathon trainers do this a lot. I know my brother did this for the Ironman where the training distances are much less than the actual race distances. And that gap always blows my mind where people have never run a marathon until they're at the actual marathon. And the most they've ever run is 17 miles. And they're like, okay, we're going to add nine to this and get this done. And so the fact that he had basically done like three straight days of almost half iron distance or something like that. And that was the most he did in the training beforehand. And then he goes to Hawaii and throws up before he finishes the, the marathon and knows that he has 49 straight more days of doing that, uh, including like so much air travel time and, and car time. It's just amazing to me, the the gap there and the fact that the human brain can say, no, I can do this and continue on. It, it's incredible. As you were talking about, you know, just his his ability to to switch and to pay attention to his family, I, I think that his ability to do this in part is because of that. 
his ability to do what he says he's going to do, care about what he knows he ought to care about. After he finishes the 50-50-50, he gets a request to come on this game show that's like a ninja warrior and meets Survivor. And he makes it all the way through casting, but he finds out the casting date uh, is his daughter's birthday. And so he sends back and is like, no, sorry, you know, hope, hopefully you guys keep me in the, keep me in the contacts for maybe the next season, but I'm going to be there for my daughter's birthday because I told her I would be. And so that's a quality that really stands out to me where it's not just about what he wants, but it's about making the sacrifices for what is important and doing the right thing. And I think that you can only do something like redefining impossible if you have those qualities already. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I I think that that was something that throughout was a bit of a struggle was identifying what he should do in any given moment. I mean, obviously he needs to do the Ironman. That was his, his main goal. And that was his reason for waking up pretty much every day and why he struggled to wake up pretty much every day. There were little victories and little moments that I really appreciated. Like when everybody else was dancing and he was doing his marathon, he just did a little dance move on the way through and gave everyone else a little bit of energy because he knew that despite it expounding energy, he really couldn't afford to waste. He was going to get that energy back from the people that he was inspiring in that moment and, and that were appreciating that. And yeah, making the right decision and and choosing the right path in, in the given moment, I think, was big because it just showed... I guess his his state, the the place that he was, showed that there wasn't really any room for error. If he chose to do the wrong thing at the at the wrong time, then that could cause an injury. It could derail him. It could do all these things. And he was living such on the edge. I mean, he talks about one time where he finishes the swim in the middle of the water. And so he just grabs onto a kayak and the kayak is pulling him in and he falls asleep holding on to the kayak in the water. It just shows that he was fully on the edge of what physically his body could handle for days and days and days and days. And so being able to make the right decisions despite that is almost unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, playing a little devil's advocate here, every decision he made wasn't the right decision. I mean, remember when he was going through the town and he kept it in stop place? He's like, just, just, and it was the flattest part in the town. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'd rather just go to do hills. And then, he's like i immediately regret this decision like and then he even says like my anger clouded my judgment i should have stayed where i was so going back i mean that's where he not only never you know he didn't make the right decision every time but you know he did see the right decision afterwards and i think that was something that you know we kind of do in life like we never always see the we, we have cloud judgment and we make the wrong decision. But as long as you're able to reflect, realize what you did, he never said like, oh, I made the right decision. I should have done did more hills. No, he reflected upon it. He's like, yep, I messed up. And I think that is actually like kind of the big part is he admitted his mistakes when he made them and he just learned from them in the next time. I mean, he stated it all the time. Like, oh, I will never ask somebody for the temperature of water ever again because, you know, and then he, he didn't do it the rest of the time until on day like what 49. He's like, I forgot. And then he literally quotes back. He's like, I forgot the lesson I, I learned never- in West Virginia. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So I think, yeah. I, hindsight is 2020 is one of the, the things that kind of became a theme for him was like, Oh man, I, I was such an idiot in this moment. I should have done that. Right. So uh, first of all, way to successfully play devil's advocate there, Adam, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of the things he does is at one point he needs to finish his marathon and is aware that the pain in his foot is likely going to cause him to fall at some point if he does it uh, outdoor. Um, they couldn't really do it outdoor because it was raining so much. So he's going to do it indoor, but it's like, okay, I can't, I don't really want to do this on a treadmill. So we use an elliptical in training. Why don't I just do this on an elliptical? Because it's I'm less likely to fall off of it is really his reasoning. Uh, and then after he does that, first of all, he asks his coach and his coach is like, this is a great idea. Absolutely do it. And then immediately after that, the trolls online are telling him that, oh, you didn't run. You didn't complete an Ironman that day. Like, give up. You're a loser. Stop it. 
And his coach basically puts out an apology saying, yes, you're right. You know, it wasn't a real Iron Man and X, Y, Z. And he just gets so angry at that. And it's like, what the heck am I doing this for? Okay, lesson learned. I'm never going to run indoors again. I'm not giving them any more ammo. And of course, at some point he has to. But that, okay, I'm going to learn from this mistake and I'm not going to make that that mistake again is a theme throughout as well, where, I mean, no one had ever done this before. So he was doing everything he could as he went. And that was, yeah, uh, hindsight 2020 is definitely something that stuck with me through the book as well. So Adam, what intrigues you about these endurance competitions, about these people who can push through uh, this mental torture and just keep on taking a step? That would be exactly what uh, intrigues is the mental torture, because that is something that really is is another impactful thing to me about this book is that whole taking one more step is a mental game. I mean, he does it. His body is physically capable of doing this. It is him mentally saying, I can do this. Going back to the elliptical there, he's like, I'm not going to let these people bring me down. He's like, let me just... 99.9999 like only how many people in the world could do this 50 <laughs> like i mean i mean obviously that's a very there's 8 billion people in the world and how many could actually do an iron man like how many people could do an iron man how many people could do it in 50 days the fact they stepped on an elliptical at one point just to get that many miles most people still can't even do 26.2 miles on an elliptical let alone you know and he had his heart rate the same he had all this stuff so i see why he did it and i also see why the naysayers you know we're naysayers, but the fact that, you know, just that whole mental capacity, I mean, the fact that he was dealing with this every single time, that is something that in all endurance, like even the people that do ultras where they run a hundred miles, the mental capacity to say, I'm going to do this is what really drives me. Like I'm jumping ahead, but I did a marathon and I did not train very well. <laughs> I'll just say it how it is i uh, i was living in florida and i just you know was like oh, i'm just gonna do it and i signed up and i kind of just did my own training plan i mean i had a friend josh who was on earlier send me a, a whole like workout scheme that he did for his first marathon and i didn't even open the email like <laughs> <laughs> i mean i did josh you're listening i did open it i just did not pay attention to it uh so yeah I, the whole mental capacity to be able to just say like hey i can do this that was 100% what I did to get through my first marathon was I kept telling myself, like, you can do this. And I did my own training plan. And what was the most you ran at one time in training before the marathon? I ran one, one, 16 miles. And everything wow. else is I ran five to nines. I ran five, to, I ran at least five miles four times a week. And then I would try, I would do about five miles and then I would try to do a seven and then I would try to do another five and then I'd do a nine and I'd do another five. And that was it. Cause I had a, in Florida, it's pretty flat. I had a bridge that I would just run across. It was a steep bridge. I would go up over back down and it was a nice little loop and it was a two and a half mile loop. I think if I do that. Yeah. It was two and a half mile loop. So I would just run that twice, run it three times, whatever, 2.5 times X. <laughs> and that's what I did. And then I would just, get my car and go home. And that's how I trained for it. And, but the entire time I kept telling myself, like mentally, I know I can do this. So let's just go let whatever your body says you can like, just do it. And that's what, you know, to answer the ultimate question, the mental capacity, that mental toughness is what drives me and drives like my inspiration for, you know, I see other people doing like these ultras and stuff. I'm like their mental capacities out the roof like there might be physical but it's their mental strength that really has it do you ever see yourself doing an iron man yes i actually have a goal i set two years ago that i would do an iron man in five years i gave myself five years to do an iron man so i think by the time i turn like 28 and a half 29 i have to have an iron man complete that was a goal for myself that i made in college right there at the end actually when i first picked up this book in college i said i'm going to do one at one point i actually even during COVID, i was really getting really serious about training and then i just didn't like swimming in a pool so i kind of <laughs> <laughs> i hated swimming in a pool like those laps like 
that's something that I don't think people understand. The laps that you do in a pool is so boring. It's like, it's almost worse than just running, like circles on a track. Like he did, I think like almost half of the swims indoors in pools and it's like 83 and a half laps in order to complete the 2.6 miles that you need to do and the monotony of that i mean like i would get bored doing the two mile race on a track in high school and that was eight laps like that is not that much but it's like oh my gosh are we at are we done yet and it's like i'm on lap five and a half like yeah incredible (laughs) first of all that means you have to do it by 2026 am i right about that yeah i would say so yeah and I, i now that i'm living out in arizona i know where i'm gonna go train like there is a huge hill over where I would go downhill mountain biking and I see people, you know, on bikes all the time. And to me, I'm like, all right, that's where I'm going to do my training. Like I, I see it. And now the step is just go do it. And again, I probably won't, uh, get a training plan to do it. I'm just going to wing it and just go with, uh, <laughs> cause I'm a big proponent of mental toughness. Like if you say you're going to do something, do it. So I think, if you mentally think you can do it, you can do it. And at one point, if you think you're going to cave, can you take that one more step? So just for con- some context for you, I don't know if this is helpful or not helpful, but uh, my brother did his first triathlon, I think, in 2009 and then did his Ironman in 2011. Uh, and his first was a super sprint. And then he did a sprint and then an Olympic. And then he did a half Ironman. He only ever did one half Ironman, I think. And then he did his his full Ironman. And throughout that time, I mean, you have to get up there in the total time that you're spending training, right? He would go on four and a half hour bike rides. He would go swim for an hour and a half. He would go, you know, run for two hours. And so the percentage of your your waking life that you have to spend in preparation increases as you go there. So first of all, I'd say sign yourself up. If you're, if you're saying you're going to do that, sign up for that one in 2025 so that you give yourself a little bit of leeway that if, if you can't do it by that point, you still got a year before, you, you know, to complete it. But that's an amazing goal. I'm, I'm going to root for you hard, but uh, I've, I'm not doing it with you. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> hey, all I got to ask, though, is I remember I listened to you guys, you know, Resolution Podcast. You guys say you're going to do halves and I would be game whenever you guys do it to run the halves with you. But I think you should just do a full surprise your audience, surprise everything. that's a whole nother topic i'll i can (laughs) you know bugging you guys about that one not to go completely off topic from the book here but i think you guys should just go for the full i mean i mean think about it the training you're gonna do like i had a friend that ran half the half when i ran a full she did more training for her half than i did for my full and then by the time i ran it and i don't let her live it down until she runs a full i'm like i you did way more training than i did like her long runs were 15. I didn't, I only ran 116 and just was like, you know what? I'm good enough for me. So I think, again, it goes back to that mental toughness. If you think you can do it, you can do it. And that's. Did you, did you run the whole marathon? Did you walk at all? I walked five steps. I counted because I was mad. <laughs> I was mad. I was so mad. Cleveland Marathon changed their course and there's these rolling hills at like mile 20. Probably about mile 22 to 24, I think. These rolling hills coming up, I think, past Lakewood, right along the lake there. And I was up on, like, the third hill, and I looked in the distance, and I saw I had, like, two more rolling hills to do. And then I saw, the like, this huge hill that we had to do, and I was like, I knew we were going to come back down. Like, I didn't know the track at all. And I, I remember looking in the distance, and I went, and that just, that, like, mentally slowed me down and I took like five steps on top of the rolling hill and I went no not allowed walking and then I started running again and granted my pace of walking was probably faster than the jog that I was doing on the hill but I I kept the you know I wasn't actually walking in my mind I was still doing the jog which but I yeah I walked five steps and I was like that's funny I I have contemplated whether or not the the marathon is in the future and I'm not making any promises here on the pod but I think when my dad did his first full marathon, he had the the agreement with himself that on the uphills he would walk and everything else he, he would run. And that just like the ability to regulate your heart rate a little bit so that it doesn't spike on those uphills is like big for me. So I think for that, that would be the agreement that I uh, have with myself if I were to try to approach a, a longer distance other than what I've committed to for this year already. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. But 
Uh, I, first of all, do very much appreciate your willingness to uh, hop in and do it with us whenever the, the right time comes. Hey, Adam, uh, you had mentioned uh, before we started another endurance athlete, David Goggins. And I would say he's probably the more well-known figure on social media. You had mentioned you saw a difference between these two. And I wanted to hear what that was. Page 230, I wrote this down. It says, I'm not a person who will tell you, just show you what is possible. And to me, that is the difference between David Goggins and James Lawrence. And, you know, they're both phenomenal athletes. I don't ever take one away from the other. I think what they both do, because the ultimate point of these two athletes is to inspire others. One just sits there and yells at you and is like, come on, you can do it. Like, don't be a wussy and all this stuff. And then James Lawrence is uh, like, let me just go show you what you can do. And I think that is the main difference between the two. And, you know, I, I listen to both. I, th- I follow both because some days I need somebody screaming at me to go do it. And the other days I just need someone to lead by an example. And I think both of those is like the main difference between these two. And, you know, I think they're phenomenal athletes and, you know, I appreciate you know, what they both do. But to me, that page 230, he's the type of guy to just, he's not going to yell at you. He's not going to say, hey, I think he probably didn't say that many words, even during his like speeches every morning. Granny was mentally t- exhausted, so he didn't have to think. But also, how many words do you think you really said there? And dad, I think he was like, food, water, like, sleepy, like, give me an IV. Can you do this? Like that. And you no. Know, and it was just, that's kind of just who he is. He's not, I mean, I don't know if you, how much you've like followed him on Instagram. But he is just the type of guy to just go do it and show you what is possible versus David Goggins is a in your face. Let's go. I mean, I remember hearing a podcast of what David Goggins did. Uh, he like lived with this one guy and he woke, they woke up in the morning. He's like, all right, like four in the morning. All right, let's go. And he's, how many pull-ups can you do right now? And he's like, I did five. David Goggins like, well, we're not leaving until you do 50 and so like that whole yep. thing is goggins it's in your face and james lawrence is probably the type of guy that just go up and go just let's just keep cranking them out you know it's just, it is what it is and i think that's the main difference i don't know about you guys what do you guys think i've found the comparison to be interesting because my view of david goggins is that he i mean he's told his backstory right he grew up in a racist town he's a he's a black man had to deal with racism he was overweight so had to deal with the bullying of, of being fat and i think that his view of endurance sports and the the reason that he pushes himself beyond human capacity in, in a number of different ways was almost like he was just taking revenge on reality. And this was his way of doing it, of saying, like, you think I can't do this? I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, and anyone thinks I can't do this? I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, and I think for James Lawrence, is it was more of an internal thing where he was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm going to do it anyways. And if you think you can't do something, I'm going to prove to you that you can do it anyways. Uh, and so I agree with you fundamentally on the difference. But I think in terms of their inspiration, I view James Lawrence as a, a much more aspirational figure. And I'm, uh, a, I would say, a bigger fan of him because of that. Yeah, I, I would say I'm a bigger fan of, of James Lawrence. Uh, you know, again, nothing to take away from David Goggins. But I always think that leading by example and not that David Goggins doesn't do that, but just having that humility to not tell someone what they ought to do, but just show them what's capable. Right. And, you know, even going back to that, that individual who just did his 10%, right? Like maybe that was that guy's best that he could do. It doesn't mean you have to go do a 50. It just means that, you know, you are capable of more than what you may think you're capable of. Uh, And, and I, I, would agree with the sentiment that, you know, sometimes that getting in your face, sometimes you need it, but other times it can be overwhelming or, or too much kind of push for, uh, for some people. Yep. All right. Well, I have a, I don't mean to cut you off, but a quote I actually had is lessons don't empower living examples do. He says it on page 256. And I thought that was, it was the beginning of of a paragraph. And I was like, that really is like him. It's, no, you're all good. I don't mean to turn this religious at all. It's not the, the theme of the podcast here, but I have to say the 
the one more step uh, made me think very much of the crucifixion of Christ and having to carry the cross all the way up the hill and how absolutely impossible that must have felt after the experience that he had had in those moments and how um, there were a couple of times when James Lawrence stops and talks to God and goes like, man, thank you for this. Either it was a beautiful day and like this experience is amazing. And it was always near the end of his run where he would be uh, reflective or in the moment for the first time in the day. And there were a couple of those where it's like, man, just give me the strength. Give me the strength to do one more step. That's all I need. Please, Lord, give me the strength. And how how Christ-like that was to just be like, hey, in this moment, all I need to do is take this next step. And I, I, was, uh, I drew inspiration from that. But the question that I had for you, and we can start with you, Adam, as the, as the guest on the pod, you don't have a, a catalog of books that you've ranked here out of 10 to, to give uh, a, a rating that is comparable, but you've heard all of ours and you've heard me give Tommy crap for trying to give tens to everything. <laughs> that was, yeah. I remember he's like, what do you think about this? Tommy's like, that was a 10. That was a 10. <laughs> that was a 10 too. And Tommy, <laughs> I laugh every time. Cause I'm, I remember, Paul, I can hear your internal, your, your microphone set. I can hear your brain just like, come on, Tommy, come on, Tommy. Anyway. <laughs> well, tell me then. And I would really love it if it weren't the 10, because I know you would, you would be able to say that. You could say this is the best book of all time. And I can't disagree with you because you haven't read anything else that we've talked about. <laughs> but what do you rank this book out of 10 for uh, our listeners? You know, I'm not going to be a Tommy. I, 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 you know, I did think about this. Uh, I would give it, uh, if we're going including decimals, an eight, an eight point seven to a nine point two, depending where you're at in your own life, because I, I feel like someone who is already living by an example would probably give it an eight, an eight, an eight. Somebody who is down in the dumps needing that extra step in life would give them that nine that lower nine there and to me i think that's why and for me i read it both times you know at one point i was just you know beginning of covid or whatever and i just wasn't you know i was like oh the gyms are closed what am i gonna do and i just started running and that you know i wouldn't say i was down in the dumps but i think that i was like running i was like oh this is good and now you know after completing a marathon i would get like a high eight then like hey i know i kind of you you sympathize more and you look at it in different ways after you've done your own internal struggle you're like wow you thought you struggled bad and then you live that read this guy and you're like that's that's nuts but uh that's what i would give it and you know before we get to your two guys point there's something i want to say uh in 2021 I kind of touched upon this at the very beginning of the podcast. I think it was 2021. He did 101 consecutive Ironmans in in 101 days, obviously consecutively. And doubled it. Wow. Yeah. He and you know, think about the way he thinks about this for the thought because I followed it all on Instagram every day. He woke up and did the same thing for 100 days, and you know, he called it just like I think it was conquer 100. I think that's what it was or yep. something like that. And he went and did it. But then going back to the guy that just does it by an example, after the celebration he had on day 100, you know, he was in a, like a big stadium. Everybody's there in, you know, his town of Utah. And the next day, he didn't, you know, he didn't, only his close team members knew this. Uh, let's go do one more. I think he said something along the lines of, you can do that one more. You know, he said the whole time in this book, you can take one step. Well, he just proved you like, well, you can do one more. And, you know, I think that is truly, you know, something I wanted to just bring up for everybody who is like, man, this 50 is impressive. And it is. I will not die because he's, you know, he's traveling, getting zero hours of sleep or two hours of sleep in the back of a Subaru. But then I also think about he did this again, only 50 more times. Again, makes me feel like such a wuss for thinking the 75 <laughs> hard is, is difficult because he did 25 more days straight Ironmans. Like, that is unbelievable. Um, and also, like, there, there's a, a piece of me that says, okay, if, if I did the 50-50-50, would I ever push myself again in my life? Like, why would I ever take on, like, oh, you know what I need to do? Twice as many Ironmans in a row. 
I don't think that would ever cross my mind. I would rest on my laurels as being the most impressive super athlete in the world and just be happy with that. But no, he says, I have my first world record. That's a stepping stone. I have my second world record. That's a, a stepping stone. I do the 50. I write my memoir. I do all that. And then I still need to do more. I need to, I need to push myself even further. And it's so impressive to me that he finished that. I, I haven't heard about that until you, you know, we hopped on with you here this morning and I had no idea. And I'm very curious to know what injuries and what obstacles he overcome. One thing we haven't even mentioned on here, and I'll ask you, Tommy, what your rating is in a second, but I wanted to say he injured his right shoulder like in day two or day three and did most of the swims one armed. He yeah. was he kept wow. his right arm down against his body and was swimming just with his left arm for 2.4 miles every day. Incredible to think about that. And well, not only, you know, you're on your feet for 26.2 miles every day and he popped blisters on, you know, he entered California. He popped those blisters. I don't know about you. I can't resonate with the shoulder pain. I've never, you know, haven't had done that, but I can resonate with the blisters and think about the fact that he popped his blisters on day three or whatever, you know, and had ran with blisters, getting more blisters, having no toenails. I mean, they show pictures in the book, like in that middle section. I mean, his feet were just mangled, disgusting. We'll say they're ugly, man. That is, (laughs) and just, you know, he kept going and that he had all of these, you know, like you just said, he had all of these injuries so early on that most people would have just been like, I'm calling it. Like, I can't even, I can't swim. I can't walk. I can't, I mean, his groin from sitting on the bike, you know, just chafing, swelling, everything. Hemorrhoids, yeah. Think about it. Just most people would have quit. And he's like, you know what? He just, he makes nicknames for him. He's like, ah, oh, these are the two haters I have. And as he jumps on a bike, he goes, well, screw you haters. And, you know, jumps on a bike. And it's, yeah, it's, it's the whole turning, making bad things into a positive type thing. Not to get too graphic, I don't think we have too much underage in our audience, so I think it's okay for me to say this, but he, at one point he's asked, you know, what's his goal for after the 50, uh, by, and because he's dealing with all those problems in the groin area, he goes, I just hope I can get an erection again, like, that's the, <laughs> that's the real goal, and so that was a hilarious moment to me about that, it's like, man, he is destroying his body, he's pushing himself to the edge, he has no idea what function is going to be left at the end of this, but he's pushing through anyways. Yeah. Just being able to, to push through that. I, you know, I think it's an inspiration and I'm, I'm going to go with a, an 8.9 on this one. Uh, ah, not a 10. Really? <laughs> no, I'm no, glad. No. I'm glad you decided no, to do one below a 10. We're happy about it. <laughs> no, but I, I would agree with uh, Adam's sentiment where, you know, depending on where you are at your life, you know, you can read this as, you know, this is another inspiration or this is a, a reason to get up. This is a reason to to keep on moving. Uh, and, and I really enjoy a lot of the messages, uh, just overcoming difficulty, being able to inspire others, you know, trying to keep on a positive face as, as often as you can, uh, wanting to quit, but just knowing that someone else says, hey, keep going, come on. And, and, and finding it within yourself to, to agree with that, uh, to change the paradigm, to say, this isn't a bad thing, this is a positive, right? And, and so there, there's a lot of good messages, and it's a well, well-crafted story, and I just like being able to see every step uh, along the way and each of those different struggles and things he had to deal with day in and day out. Yeah, it was it was a really fun book and it was pretty darn easy to read. Right. You always wanted to find out what he was going through the next day and find out one of his famous, not famous quotes, but one of the things he says over and over again is he he never has two bad days in a row. So he enjoyed finishing up the bad days because he knew the next day was going to be good. Uh, And that mindset, I think, is something that I can resonate with for my work and things like that. It's like, okay, if I have a bad day today, that means tomorrow is not going to be as bad. Like, I'm, it's going to be better. Uh, And I I really appreciated just the entire experience. And like I said, it was it was a real easy book to read. So I'm going to go ahead and give it an 8.6. It's it's right there in the thick of things with uh, some of the great books that we've read. Uh, I have it, you know, just below Atomic Habits, but above. I was surprised to put this. I was like, okay, if I think about it, is it better than Extreme Ownership, which was another really awesome book on not really human endurance, but the the human experience and how to interact in, in really hard scenarios. 
Uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I think it is a, a better book. And I think more people would get more out of uh, this one. And just I think it it's going to inspire you to want to do something you haven't done before. And that's something that more people should be doing, especially our age. So um, awesome. Well, we appreciate you recommending this book, Adam. It was it was a really good time. And thank you for taking the time this morning to, to come on and, and talk with us about it. It was a really fun, fun chat. Honestly, a pleasure. Uh, I'm excited for you to listen to yourself on the podcast and then uh, <laughs> just see uh, see what it's like. I'm going to be like, oh, gosh, how many times did I do that? Like, like you guys when you guys first started. But, no, you guys did great. And, you know, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'm, I'm also intrigued to listen to myself. But I'm probably going to hate it. I'm going to be halfway through the podcast. Like, I'm turning this off. But... Just yeah. one more second of listening. Just one yeah. more second. Just got it. Just one, more <laughs> one more phrase here. One more sentence. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys' rating goes down, it's because of this podcast, because I'm going to give myself a bad rating. I'm like, <laughs> weaker. Like, no. But, no, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said earlier, it's it's great seeing, you know, the evolution of this podcast. And there is one thing I want to say. I had no idea. Book reviews and current events were great. <laughs> I, Paul, I remember I texted Tommy that, Paul, but – Paul, I want to tell you that too. I, I mean, <laughs> I was blown. I mean, you mostly talk with with Tommy on the side, and he didn't know either. So how could you know? That's not right. exactly exactly. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, thank you guys so much. I mean, it's great to see you know how far you guys are coming, and I'm excited. You know, you guys keep getting getting at it, and you know, I see, you know, you've been reaching your goals, and to me, that you know, I really appreciate. You know, you guys are setting you know a good example of reaching your goals as well. So. Paul, think about that uh, marathon. And <laughs> I became, you know, I think, I think if you're going to do a half. Might as well do the full. Might, might as well do an Ironman. Just keep it going. Ever, might as well do an ultra. All right. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> I mean, why, why stop at half of a pie when you could eat the whole thing? Right, right. Yeah, not nothing to do with the, the stomach hurting later. But okay. All right. I hear you. No, I'm just kidding. It was great. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. We ask you to follow us on Instagram at brace.22. Paul's Twitter is at Paul from Brace. And be sure to email us at brace22 at protonmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks. We appreciate it.